Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another great episode of the Digital Agency Show. Really glad to have you guys here this week. Uh, a good friend of mine, Craig Ballantine, the author of The Perfect Day Formula and Turbulence Training, is joining us. He's also a contributor to Men's Health Magazine for over 17 years. His books, videos, coaching programs have transformed the lives of over 7 million people physically, financially, mentally, emotionally in the last two decades. Today, he teaches high-performing entrepreneurs how to increase their income and make more time for their personal lives using the same five pillars of success, which we'll be talking about today, that allowed Craig to overcome crippling anxiety attacks and transform his life. Welcome to the program, Craig. Thank you so much, my friend. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was reading up a little bit, uh, doing, doing my usual research, even though I, I know you, um, and I ran across this article that somebody asked about your morning routine. And I just want to read this real quick for our listeners uh, to get their bearings on, on maybe uh, what your day looks like. And you say that you, um, I get up around 3.45 a.m. so that I can start writing at 4 a.m., Writing articles in books is my number one priority after petting my dog. And on a good day, I finish 1,500 words in 60 minutes. 3.45 seems a little early to me. Yeah, it's 1.45 in uh, Denver when I'm out here on the East Coast. Uh, yeah, it does seem a little bit strange, doesn't it? And, you know, when I was a young man, I would have thought that was ridiculous. And now it's just a matter of, you know what, this is right for me. And I've just adjusted my schedule um, and I mean, I know other, uh, lots of other people that actually, you know, some people get up earlier than me, uh, you know, shift workers, factory workers, sometimes they have to do this. You know, I grew up on a farm, so I'm not uh, a stranger to getting up early. And so a lot of people will resist the idea and that's totally fine because it's not actually about the hour that you get up. It's about what you do with the hours that you are up. 
So, you know, we're going to talk about today the, what I call the perfect day formula or the system or whatever it is to be more productive. And it doesn't matter what time you get up. It doesn't because my system has worked for people that are night owls. Um, real funny story, real quick. I used to visit one of my friends down in Florida who has a very large internet marketing business, a guy named Joel Marion, who's a fantastic copywriter. And he is a night owl and I would stay at his house and I would get up at four o'clock in the morning to stick to my regular schedule and he would be going to bed. And we would like pass each other like ships in the night, just like kind of nod at each other because my, his, uh, my guest bedroom was right beside his office. And you know what? It, it, he used my system to be successful. It doesn't matter again what time you get up. And it's just that's the time that I love. When did you discover that early was right for you? And maybe how did that how did that occur? Well, that's a great question, actually. I'm really glad you asked that because it was about 2007. I had just gotten through some really bad anxiety attacks that we can talk about later. And, you know, I woke up at 730, Brent, and I was like, man, I every time I wake up at 730, I just feel this anxiety. I'm, I, I know that I love mornings and I know that I want to do so much in mornings. It's like I want to do 12 hours of stuff in the six hours of the morning. And I actually despise afternoons. Uh, but I was just thinking and sitting there and I, I was feeling anxious. I was like, okay, tomorrow I got to get up earlier. So I got up at 725. And the day after that, I got up at 720. And I just worked my way back five minutes at a time until I was getting up at about five o'clock in the morning, well, maybe 530. And I thought, this is really great. And then I started traveling a lot. And, you know, I had these early morning flights, like, Eight o'clock, but I mean, by the time you get to the, you have to get to the airport by six thirty-ish. That means you have to be up at five thirty, and I didn't want to miss my writing, so I would get up at four o'clock, and then I'm like, you know what, this is okay, I can deal with this. And it was just a matter of switching my my schedule. I mean, I still have the same twenty-four hours as everybody else. I I get about seven hours of sleep a night. Uh, sometimes sometimes I'll get eight. Sometimes I'll have to do with six six hours, but I get about an average of seven. And I make it work, you know, through relationships and everything. And uh, there's going to be times when I stay up until 10 o'clock, you know, for business dinners and, and whatnot. And sometimes, you know, you'll stay up till midnight and you'll just sleep in a little bit. But it was back in 2007 when I realized I need to get up earlier if I want to feel better and be more successful. Is this about how your body responds to that time or is it that nobody's around to interrupt you yet? It's a combination of how my mind works at that time and that there is nobody around to distract me, but also I'm not distracting myself because I find that as soon as nine o'clock hits, I want to do what normal people do, which is check email and, you know, check the sports scores and stuff. And so if I was still getting up at seven o'clock, I would have a hard time getting everything I wanted to do. I just... You know, I, I would eventually build the discipline and willpower, but I figured, why not build this system that just works so much easier? And to be honest with you, I don't really do anything at night anyways that's super exciting. I'm not a super exciting person, so I'm not missing out on anything. So that's why I moved over to that. But you are right. There aren't any uh, phone calls at that time of day. With the with the uh, the fact that my business is global, you can really get emails at any time of the day. You can get Instagram messages at any time of the day. So you have to be careful with that. But there definitely aren't a whole lot of other people up in the morning, whether you're going to the gym or whether you're, you know, writing and trying to avoid phone calls. You mentioned that you despise afternoons. Uh, what is it about the afternoon that gets you down? 
I just don't like the feeling of it. Um, but there's a new book out by Daniel Pink. It's called When, The Scientific uh, Secrets Behind When to Do Everything, I think. And he he describes how most people's, basically their day is set up to be really productive in the morning. And he calls the afternoon a trough. For most people, it's a trough period of recovery. And then we have this second wave in the evening. It's really fascinating. And it really fits my profile, which is probably about 60 to 80% of people. And then you have about 20% of people who are truly night owls, not just people who like being up late and feeling cool about it, but actually night owls. And so we operate on this wave where you're up in the morning, you're going to get your most focused work done. That's when you should do it. Then in the afternoon, you have this trough of maybe you can't focus as much. And then in the evening, right around seven o'clock, I think it's also you get this natural deadline of, oh, I want to get a few things done today that you start kicking into higher gear. That And he says you're a little bit more creative at night too. So that's his science. And it just suits my uh, chronological type, my brain. And I put it all together so that it's worked for me. Now, again, we can go and totally customize somebody's day who hates my schedule. And we can do that and make them more productive using the systems I, I teach other people. You don't have to be like me. And, you know, I don't want people to be like me because then it ruins that, uh, you know, 4 a.m. quiet time. <laughs> you'll start if, if this gets too out there, right, then you'll start getting emails and phone calls at, at 4 a.m. because that'll be the new normal for entrepreneurs. Right. I see all this 5 a.m. club and I say, like, you guys are creeping into my territory here. Like, let's back <laughs> off and maybe make a 7.30 a.m. club for you guys. So uh, you start your book off. If you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little bit uh, from your book for our listeners, uh, if that's cool. Uh, you say, imagine for a moment what a perfect day would look like for you. Picture the most productive day you've ever had. And then imagine having that every day. For most of us, our perfect day is one where the tasks we accomplish are about more than just getting through the day, but rather about moving ahead in dramatic leaps and bounds toward our big goals and dreams. And um, before I ask you to comment on that, you know, I know for me, I have these days where it just feels like everything flows and I get this, you know, I get these big things done or I just, I feel really good. And then, you know, the next two days are almost like a productivity hangover. Um, and your whole idea here is that you don't have to have that, um, that hangover or it's, it's about turning that into more of a system where you can achieve that perfect day every single day. Yeah. So it's going to start with a bit of self-reflection and that's really where the answers lie for so much of our behaviors and solutions and overcoming obstacles in life. So we take a look, you know, we need to look and say, why was that day so great? You know, why were we so productive? Now, if it was because you accidentally, you know, couldn't sleep or you, you know, you got up early because your dog had to pee. And the next thing you know, you're like, well, I'm up two hours earlier than normal. I guess I'll just start working. Then that's why we have a productivity hangover. I don't want people to jump from 7 a.m. wake up club to 5 a.m. wake up club because it'll be fine for like two days. You'll be riding this high. And then, as you mentioned, you'll hit that crash, that hangover. And you'll be like, oh, this getting up early stuff, it's ridiculous. So it might have been that you had a productivity day based on that. But if it wasn't that, if it was your regular hours, we need to go back and look and figure out what was it? Did I have the right amount of caffeine? Did I do the do better planning the night before than ever? Did I uh, avoid meetings? Did I avoid calls? Did, did I stay out of my email inbox longer than usual? What was it that made this day so great? 
And then likewise, Brent, you need to do the same thing for those days where you have the hangover and go, well, why did I not you know, follow up yesterday's great day with today? Was it because I got sucked into communication or was it because I was tired or was it because I didn't do any planning the night before because I was so elated about how productive I was? And you just need to figure out, okay, what are the common themes about productive days and what are the common themes about unproductive days? And then gradually every single day you refine those systems so that you're having more of those really close to perfect days and fewer of those days where, you know, it just it feels like the day got away from you. You mentioned caffeine. I feel like for our listeners, is there a right amount of caffeine? Well, there's actually some science that shows, and it's from the U.S. Army, that you actually should have smaller amounts of caffeine more frequently. So it'd be, you know, for a person who's, you know, hitting a monster energy at, you know, seven in the morning or something, you should probably space that out into 50 milligrams every couple of hours. So as when it comes to the amount of caffeine you should have, you know, for me personally, I can't have a lot because I have anxiety and I get the jitters and all that stuff from caffeine. So I keep it very low to about 50 milligrams per day. Now, if you go to Starbucks, you can usually get a average there that's going to give you 200 to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. And so again, this comes back to the self-reflection. Look at how much caffeine you had today and then figure out how did you perform? Um, did you have jitters? Did you have anxiety? Are you able to sleep properly at night? And if everything is a-okay, you got the thumbs up, then continue on with that caffeine intake. But if that caffeine intake was too high and you were then not able to get a good night's sleep or you know the caffeine intake was too late and therefore you weren't able to get, get a good night's sleep or you did have uh, anxiety or jitters, then it's like, how can I dial it back here? Because you know caffeine is a stimulus and the stimulus delivers a response in our body and we just need to figure out well, how much stimulus do I need in order to achieve the optimal result? And that's what those U.S. Army researchers did when they were looking at, well, should we give 200 milligrams at once or should we space out 50 milligrams uh, in four doses and see how our people perform? So something to consider when it goes to your caffeine intake. But if you're getting to about 400 milligrams per day, that's generally where people start to uh, deal with some negative side effects. I think in a venti, you know, regular coffee at which the venti is the the twenty ounce coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> I think last I checked, because I used to drink that, that was like my go to, right? And it was, uh, I think, around six hundred milligrams in that thing. So you know, man, six hundred <laughs> milligrams, and, and imagine if you drank that in like thirty minutes. That is outrageous, really outrageous to me. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you just you kind of wean yourself up if you will like you it doesn't just happen overnight i think i think one day i just arrived at that space maybe from uh pushing myself or just drinking too much coffee or relying on that too much um yeah exactly you just need to be careful and and again just figure out why the heck do i need 600 milligrams of caffeine and uh, of course you it's just like with the morning thing you don't jump from 7 a.m to 5 a.m and you don't jump from 600 milligrams to zero milligrams and I'm not saying that, you know, if you have zero milligrams of caffeine per day, you're some type of superior being. I mean, it, caffeine is the most popular drug in the world for a good reason. People like it. Um, it makes the world go round. It makes people often a lot better to be around. But in some cases, if you go too far, it can make you not so great to be around. So just use it wisely and, and monitor it like you monitor anything that you would put in your body. 
So whenever I, um, I'm in a certain, uh, a certain life point uh, personally, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this, I have a uh, three-and-a-half-year-old uh, tyrant uh, toddler, <laughs> and I have a 11-month-old, uh, uh, less of a tyrant, more of a, a little uh, uh, sweet potato, but uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll find his groove soon. Um, in, in life, you know, I, I find it sometimes hard because I'll get a good routine going and then the you know the train falls off the tracks right the the wheels come off and you know I'll have one of the kids get sick and you know things just my world gets thrown up upside down and it just takes me sometimes weeks to kind of recalibrate that uh, any advice about how to deal with you know those family life extremes I mean I'm obviously not going to have toddlers or little kids for forever um, but sometimes it makes you know, these approaches more difficult because, you know, I heard somebody I was interviewing uh, a couple months ago, you know, I asked them what they do to start their day and they said, oh, I wake up and I, you know, I meditate for 45. Like there is no meditating in the Weaver household in the morning. Like there is no, it's like screaming for daddy or crying for mommy. And I mean, it's just, it's very difficult. So any, any advice around that? Yeah. I mean, we're definitely in a season of life when we have young kids and and don't worry, eventually your toddlers will be teenagers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, be careful, careful uh, to not let the time go by too fast. Now, the thing is, is we need to manage our expectations. And if, you know, if you were like the type of person who, who thought, well, you know, I've got two young kids, but I am so disciplined and so structured that I'm never going to have a bad day. And then obviously you're going to have a bad day. You're going to respond to that a lot worse than if you're like, okay, this is the situation we're in on a perfect day. This is what would happen. But we know that, you know, there's going to be these things coming up. So we have to be mentally prepared for all the obstacles that could possibly come up the the known unknowns. And then we just have to realize like, Hey, you know what, if something else comes up that we're not ready for, we have to be emotionally strong and not react in such a way that it throws us off kilter. And we just have to look back, or look to get back on track as quickly as possible. So it's like, okay, if the baby throws up, what do we do? We clean it up unemotionally. We don't get super upset as long as the child is, you know, physically okay. And it's just, you know, he's just sick and it's not something that we need to rush down to the hospital for. Okay, great. I'm happy that it wasn't that. Now we take care of it. We clean ourselves up and then we flip this switch in our mind that says, you either get back to work or you, you know, you go back to reading that book or you go and work with the other child and, and, you know, give them bath time. And then, you know, you just make sure everybody's taken care of. And then if you can, you fit in whatever you want to. And it's that mindset that knowing you're going to get, you know, as Mike Tyson apparently once said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And then, you know, you have to start acting like wisely uh, to the stimulus that your body just got hit with. So it's all about not setting grandiose expectations. It's like when people who, you know, maybe don't even have toddlers come with this to-do list of 20 things to me. And I'm like, okay, you're going to be very disappointed tomorrow when you only got through three of those. And you're going to think that your day with day was worthless because you overestimated what you could do. And you set these expectations, which are not realistic. And so it's a matter of reframing your mind. You go in with the plan to do your best, but you understand as soon as you get off track, you've got some anchor that pulls you back into getting back on track as quickly as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just this, 
you know, if you overestimate, then you get kind of disappointed a little bit in yourself. And then that probably uh, exacerbates anxiety or depression or other things that might lead you to procrastination in the future. Yeah. And, and uh, there's something that's really neat that a couple of my clients have taught me is the power of music. And this works for both when you want to go from work to parent and from parent to work. So what I found was one of my clients said when he would drive home from his office, he knew it was a long day. And, you know, even in a great business, you can get exhausted by the end of the day. And he knew that he had to walk in and be super dad, because as soon as that door opened, right, those kids are on him. It's like, you know, a magnet that his sons are going to come running over to him, daddy, 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 and they're going to clutch onto his legs. And if he's still thinking about something from work, he's not going to be present. And that's where you kind of lose your temper a little bit. And the next thing you know, like everybody's night is ruined because the kids are upset and the spouse is upset. So what do we do? Well, what my friend did, my, my client, Mike, what he did was he played his favorite uh, like pump up song between the ride home from work uh, from work to home. And when he got home, he was in this great mood and he had mentally switched off and he had done this thing that I call a brain dump at work where you write down all the work related stuff that you have to do the next day and you organize it and you plan out your day so you can leave all your work stuff behind and go home and be present, play that song and you walk in and you're super dad. Now the exact same, same thing can happen when, okay, you got thrown off. The kid got sick. You had to take care of that. Now you need to get back to work. Okay. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a a mantra that you say, you know, maybe you go all Tony Robbins on yourself and say, I am great. You know, I can do it. And then you get back to work. Or maybe, you know, John Carlton, the famous copywriter said first thing in the morning, he walks around his desk two times. And as soon as he does that, that signals that I'm in work mode. Maybe you just have this little ritual and routine, but it shouldn't be that when you get out of sync with your routine one day, or even a couple of days in a row, because his kids are off, that it would take people a long, long time to get back into it. We need to be professionals, as Stephen Pressfield says in you know his book, The War of Art, and you know The Resistance, and Turning Pro, and all the great books that he has. We are professionals here. And if Kobe Bryant get you know when back in the day when he got a bad call against him, that did not uh, you know ruin Kobe Bryant's game. No, he was professional. He got his game face on, and he went right back to work. And he didn't care if people were calling him names because he was a total pro. And so that's what we need to be as business owners, as great designers. We need to say, you know what? You can throw eggs at me and tomatoes at me, but I'm just going to wipe it off and I'm going to get back to work. And it doesn't matter if it's criticism or a child getting sick. We are pros. You mentioned uh, that you have these pillars of success. So I assume this gets a little bit closer to uh, how to adopt the perfect day, kind of this, your strategy for helping people to do this. Uh, what are those five pillars of success? Yeah, the five pillars work to transform any habit, any life change that you want, want to make, whether it's you know making more money or whether it's writing a book or whether it's losing weight. And losing weight is actually where I discovered them. So my background before I wrote the perfect day formula was I, I ran a fitness business. I basically had my own version of P90X, the, the home workout videos that you would see on TV and the infomercials. And I sold those for 15 years. And in that business, we had before and after transformation contests where someone would, you know, take a before photo uh, of their, of their situation where they're overweight. And then they would use my program for 12 weeks. And then they send in an after photo, but they'd also send in an a 300 word essay telling me how they mentally changed over those uh, 12 weeks. And what I realized was the people who won the contest always had five things in place. And I ended up calling these the five pillars of success 
because I ended up using them to help people grow their businesses, to help people get better habits. I even use them to stop swearing. I use them to overcome anxiety and I've used them to improve my dating life too. So here's how they go. The first one is better planning and preparation than ever before. Better planning and preparation than ever before. Second is professional accountability. This is getting a coach. This is like a designer going to you, Brent, and and saying, you know what? I need your expert advice and I need your accountability. The third pillar is positive social support. This is where you're, you know, if you're a business owner, you need to be in mastermind groups where you're surrounded by like-minded, positive people. Or you can go on Facebook forums or Facebook groups where there's like-minded, positive people. And then the fourth pillar is a meaningful incentive. And the meaningful incentive Well, I'll go through them all in a bit more detail. The meaningful incentive is the fourth one. And finally, the fifth one is the big deadline, the big deadline. So is it all right if I break them down a little bit more there, Brent? Yeah, I'd love to to dive into this. Okay, so the first pillar, better planning and preparation than ever before. Let's take the example of somebody who wants to lose weight. If they wake up on January 1st and they say, you know what, I want to lose 10 pounds this year. That's okay, but that's not a plan. You got to have a plan. Like I'm going to go to this gym three times per week. I'm going to hire a trainer for two of those workouts. I'm going to follow this diet 90% of the time and, you know, have a cheat meal on the weekend. I'm going to get eight hours of sleep a night and I'm going to, you know, drink 12 uh, cups of water every day. Okay. That's a plan. That's good. And if you follow that plan, you're going to get very, very close to your goal. And it's the same with business. If we wake up and we say, you know what, this year I want to make an extra uh, 10 grand a month. Well, okay. That's great. That's kind of like a wish, but that's not a plan. How are you going to do that? Well, it means I'm going to have to uh, grow my email list. I'm going to have to send, you know, do this Facebook campaign. I'm going to have to uh, ask for referrals. I'm going to have to have that strategy in place. And if I do all of these things, I'm going to get as close as possible to that goal. So it all comes down to better planning and preparation to kick us off. The second thing is that professional accountability. That's like having the coach in your life. So the analogy there is if you want to go and run a marathon, you need to have a coach that's going to give you the expert advice and who's going to hold you accountable to show up for your training sessions. The third pillar is positive social support. And these are your cheerleaders in life. And sticking with that marathon example, these are the people who are alongside the side of the road as you're running up the hill at mile 20 when you're hitting the wall and they're saying, you can do it, you can do it. Now, that's not expert advice, but you need that emotional support in addition to the expert advice and accountability that your professional accountability, your coach will give you. And then the meaningful incentive. And I want to dive a little deeper on this one because when it comes to changing anything in your life, if you say that you want to do something, but it doesn't really matter to you, you're going to quit when the going gets tough. So when people would enter my weight loss contest because I was giving away money, those people, if that was the only reason they were in it, they would quit after two weeks. And this is embarrassing to say, but 80% of the people who joined my contest would quit. Man, that sucks because I want to see people succeed, but they were just doing it for their money. And after like two weeks of, you know, not eating their favorite foods and, you know, sweating a little bit more, they were like, you know what? I just want to sit on the, t- on the couch tonight and watch, uh, watch TV and eat a pizza. And they were gone because the money didn't matter. It was much more important for them to, to be comfortable. But when somebody had a meaningful incentive, such as I want to have more energy for my young kids, or I want to be around in 20 years when they graduate college, or around in 30 years when they have grand, uh, kids and I'm a grandparent, well, that is a meaningful incentive to change if you're overweight and you have high cholesterol and all these health uh, negatives acting against you. And then finally, the fifth one is the big deadline. So the big deadline does three things for us. First of all, it spurs us to initial action because We all have this initial inertia in front of us for any habit change. Like if you want to go from 600 milligrams of coffee to 
uh, or caffeine to 200 milligrams of caffeine. Well, you're like, yeah, you know what? I, I only got seven hours of sleep last night, so I'll wait till tomorrow because there's no deadline. But if you said by the end of this month, I have to cut my caffeine intake from 600 milligrams to 300 milligrams per day, or else I have to, uh, you know, give away my favorite coat to charity or something, then you know what? You got a deadline there, an incentive and a consequence, and you're going to start taking action. You're going to cut down to 550 milligrams the next day for sure. Now, the deadline does another thing for us. It keeps us going through the middle part, the tough times where most people drop out, because if you get halfway through a 30-day change or a 60-day change, you think, you know what? I put all this work in. I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to keep going. I see the finish line. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then as you get closer and closer to the deadline, you say, you know what? I'm going to start moving faster. I'm going to start taking all this action. And we see this a lot in, in sales in our businesses. If you have a sale of a program and you have a deadline of like midnight, man, you get like 25% or 50% of your sales in those final 10 hours, even if the sale has been open for seven days. And it's because it's our stupid human trick of procrastination. We wait to the last minute. So the deadline spurs us to action, keeps us going and makes us move faster as the deadline gets closer and closer. And that's how you can change anything. You can truly change your life, your health and your wealth by using those five pillars of success. So I feel like you have to be a little bit choosy in which habits you take on because this is quite a system of things uh, to take on. I mean, if I'm just focused on you know the caffeine, for example, I mean I have to uh, you know plan and cre- create a plan around that. I have to find some level of accountability. I have to find some social support, uh, a meaningful incentive. So I have to answer that question of why. You know, is it just because I don't like uh, you know the anxiety, or I have to unpack that a little bit, uh, as well as give myself a deadline. So are you seeing uh, people t- use this as? something they're attacking a bunch of different habits at once or just kind of focusing down on one big thing at one time to, to, to leverage this, this formula for? That's a really great question. And I actually had this conversation with my mentor, Mark Ford, the other, the other week about how much effort you can put into one goal at a time. And really you should choose one big massive transformational change for your personal life and for your professional life every 90 days. And then put your effort into that and then cut back. Like you can't go and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to become a bodybuilder this year. I'm going to build a six figure business from scratch and I'm going to write a book. There's no way, there's no way you're going to get all of that done. But if you say in the next 90 days that I am going to focus on getting the first 20 clients for my business, and I'm also going to start eating a little bit better and exercising regularly, and I'm going to uh, start brainstorming uh, ideas for my book. Okay, that's fine but you're going to focus on that one major goal of getting those clients and you're going to build better habits in some of those other areas, but you can't do a million things at once. You just can't. And you need to focus because as Warren Buffett says, the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. And I know as a young man, I would set, you know, 20 goals every year, achieve two of them and then feel all disappointed. Much like we talked about, you know, setting too big of a to-do list or not having the right expectations when you have a toddler. And it, it left me frustrated. And it wasn't until talking to this guy, Mark Ford, where I cut back the number of goals that I set to a very small number that I started achieving big, big goals and accomplishments in my life. And everything around me got better. And it was much better approach than taking that shotgun scattered rather than having the laser focused approach that works. 
So one big goal on the personal side, one big goal on the professional side every 90 days. Any tips or advice on how to choose that? I just, I, I can imagine, you know, you sit down and it's like the buffet of opportunity. You write out all your goals you're going to accomplish. And then, uh, I mean, are you literally saying, okay, if you've got 20 goals, you just got to reduce it to one for the next period of time and then keep everything else in a parking lot? Or how, how do you decide what that one professional goal is? Yeah. So that's a great question. And we start in, in, when I work with people, we start with the very first question I ask them is what are your values? What are the most important things that relate to your values of your health, your wealth, uh, your, your experiences in your life and your family. And you tell me like, okay, in the next 10 years, I want to, you know, these are the, these, these are the things that I want to achieve with my family. I want to raise great kids. I want to uh, build a business to $500,000 a year in gross revenue. I want to make sure that I, uh, you know, stay healthy and I'm able to run, you know, three miles in under 30 minutes. And then I want to travel to one new country every year. Okay, great. Great. Those are your values. That's your big picture. Now we dial it down in three years. Tell me your vision. Tell me what your, your life is going to look like in three years from now, what major accomplishments you have had. Okay. We go through that. Now I get a better understanding. Now we break it down and we go into a one-year plan and we say, okay, what do you need to accomplish in the next one year in order to be on track for these three and 10 year goals? And then we can say, okay, if this is what you want to accomplish in the next year, here's what we need to do in the next 90 days. So it is this big breakdown of figuring out what does your life really need to look like? And then we can actually start to say no to things because I get people who say, oh, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, I really want to spend more time with my kids, but I also want to have these three businesses and I want to travel, uh, to, you know, five new countries a year. And I say to them, listen, this is not making any sense. This is not aligned with your major family value. If you do all of this other stuff, you're, you're going to be working 13 or 14 hour days. And is that what you really want? They say, no, of course not. So we, we have to start cutting as Warren Buffett told us, we have to start cutting a lot of stuff. And I saw this video post by Ariana Huffington the other day. And she said, one of the greatest things she ever did was give herself permission to say, you know what, I'm never going to do any of these crazy big goals and dreams. It's almost like everybody went through this bucket list phase. And, you know, most people who listed out a bucket list probably are never going to do 99% of the things on their bucket list because it would detract from what really mattered to them. You know, like, oh, I want to go and, you know, climb to base camp in Mount Everest. Okay, but what really matters to you is your family. So how are you going to do both of these things? Let's just cut Mount Everest from your life for right now. And if it's still something in your mind in 10 years when your kids are grown, then maybe you can uh, go for it. But most people come up with these bucket lists. They have too many things to do, and then they are disappointed that they don't do them. And everybody's just going to be way better off if they say no and focus on what really matters. So it's almost like an inverted pyramid. And I kind of funnel it down. We have this big, big vision, and we funnel it down saying no to things, saying no to things until we figure out exactly what matters in shorter time periods. That's fantastic. We have a, uh, a takeaways section of our show notes, and I feel like this episode's takeaways section is going to be a little meatier uh, than our usual shows, Craig. So I, I appreciate a lot of very tactical advice around planning, around trying to achieve your perfect day. Obviously, you've done a lot of work in this space and our listeners are, are probably going to take a lot of value out of this. I feel like this is one of those episodes that you guys should listen to maybe a few times uh, and, and also obviously get some of uh, uh, Craig's products. Um, Craig, are you ready for our lightning round? Oh, I love this. It's always my favorite part of these shows. <laughs> Thank you.
What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, get a coach. Get a coach. I just resisted this advice for so many years. I was I was cheap. I was stubborn. I was a know-it-all. And when I finally got a coach, I had exponential results. So getting a coach was the best advice I finally followed. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? <laughs> I always I always say that the best class I ever took in high school was keyboarding because I type so much and I guess I'm a pretty good typer. So that has helped me a lot. I would not have guessed that that would have been your answer. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, But seriously, like, there's so many times where I sit there and think, I'm so glad I took that class that I thought was just going to be like some stupid class I was just going to take and get a good grade in easily. But it has been the most valuable course probably I've ever taken in my life. Very cool. Uh, can you share an internet resource or a tool you use on a daily basis that you think our listeners would find valuable? Oh, that is a good question because I've never used uh, an app in my life. So I, I don't use a lot of technological stuff. I'm actually am, uh, very paper and penish and I'm rambling here. I do, I do actually use Instagram stories and I think that uh, people who run businesses who use Instagram to get clients in any way or to have a web presence are underutilizing the power of Instagram stories. People who uh, watch Instagram stories will get addicted to your stories. If you're giving a little bit of content, uh, if you're motivating them, if you're show, uh, showcasing success stories. So if people have an Instagram following and an Instagram presence and people are watching their stories, I highly recommend using them for business purposes. You will be surprised at how many clients you can get from it. Wow. I have not, uh, I have not checked that out myself. So definitely we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that and try to, try I'm to fascinated by Instagram. Yeah. I just think it is the most, is the best way. It's the most personal way of communicating with people. You can get in touch with people who have very large followings because Instagram is still relatively new and it hasn't been screwed up by Facebook yet. So <laughs> use it while you can. Yeah. So just, just wait, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what book would you recommend and why? There's so many, but I'm going to recommend Ready, Fire, Aim by my mentor, Mark Ford, who wrote it under a pen name, Michael Masterson. But it's one of the best business books that a small business owner can use to learn more about selling and marketing and really getting the plan and vision in place for how they want to grow their company. And can you tell our audience about how they can find out more about you and if there's anything that you have uh, that might be useful? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love for everybody to check out my book, Perfect Day Formula. You know, you can get the audio on Amazon, the Kindle on Amazon. We have a free plus shipping offer on the book at freeperfectdaybook.com. So it's like eight bucks if you live in America to get it, or it's 25 bucks on Amazon to get the hard copy. And then finally, uh, join me on Instagram. You can see how I use stories to interact with people and, and grow my engagement at Instagram. Uh, my name on there is Real Craig Ballantyne. Or if anybody's old school like me and just wants to email me, they can email me at craig at godfather.com. And does the uh, the book offer on your website, does that come with the whole kit or is it just the book? The, the whole kit is available at perfectdayformula.com. So the kit is this expanded it's version of all these tools and accessories that go with the, the Perfect Day Formula book. And it's kind of like having me sitting down at your kitchen table, coaching you through that vision and rules and and habit change stuff that we talked about so it's really an expanded thing it's a little more expensive than the book obviously but it's it's the next best thing to coaching with me
Yeah, I just I want to I want to you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna hype you up a little bit. I think that if you guys are interested in this, I would recommend um, just spending a little bit more and getting the uh, the kit because I think you have a lot of really useful uh, resources in there and worksheets. And I feel like sometimes we just need those prompts. We just need those things to kind of pull us out of uh, the funk of wow, I just read this amazing book, but where do I start? So I think that you know just want to encourage you guys uh, to check that out as well, and we'll link out to that uh, in our. I appreciate show notes that because well. that's my life's work in a box <laughs> not too many people can say that but i definitely can yeah no and I, I mean there's there's that aspect of it too as just a content producer like i see this and i'm like oh man like this is so awesome like just to put that much organization into something in in a small box with some very uh uh simple tools i think that um you know these types of methods uh sometimes can be overwhelming but if they're made simple uh we at least have a fighting chance of of, of implementing them in our lives so this is really cool Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Craig, thanks for stopping by the show today. This has been super valuable for our audience and uh, just really appreciate your time. Oh, happy to be here, man. Great to talk to you again. All right, guys, that is our show for this week on the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned for more great content on how to grow as an entrepreneur, how to grow your digital agency uh, here each and every week. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 